0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello, Eastern family and friends. It's Thursday and time from the Eastern Files, which we bring to you every other Thursday along with the EAL Old Time Radio. My name is Neil Holland, producer of the Eastern Airlines Radio Show, and we're happy to have you listen in as we continue to broadcast our favorite topic Eastern Airlines. Today, we take another file out of Eastern Airlines history. Our airline is gone, but it's never forgotten. Our file today is from the archive of letters and papers of Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. But before we start our program, let's listen to an Eastern commercial.
2: Sunday in Mexico. The sun floods an arena. The historic duel is on. The sun spotlights a diver at Acapulco. Referees a children's game at the pyramids of Teotihuacan. The sun warms a beautiful mermaid in Puerto Rico. And covers the vacation paradise of Miami. Every year, more people choose this one to the sun, because Eastern service is as warm as the destination. Fly
0: Eastern, never
1: And now from the Eastern files. The title of our file today is Fighting Men and Fighting Fronts. It was written by Captain Eddie Rickenbacker to deliver a speech at the Wings Club. And it goes as follows. According to the program for this, the first annual dinner of Wings Club, I am to speak to you about fighting men and fighting fronts. That is a broad subject. And I'm going to interpret it in the broadest meaning, namely, that a man has always had to fight on every front of progress. I need not tell you about the pyramid of material produced by the brain and brawn of aircraft designers and workers, because a great many of you are part of that army of production. Instead, I'm going to talk to you about the battle that must be fought and won in order that America may advance into the neutral horizon of world importance and be a factor in creating the stability of peace and prosperity. If only we could look beyond the curtain of the future, we would see a thrilling and stimulating picture in the field of air transportation. Since transportation is one of man's most important spheres of activity, there isn't a single dream dealing with the coming conquest of time and space that can be branded too fantastic, too impractical, or too daring. The forward march of science has just begun. It is possible that many engineering ideas now being pooh-poohed as idle dreams may become accepted as established facts. We have no way of gauging the future unless, perhaps, we use the yardstick of the past. Therefore, in order to appreciate what may happen on this earth in the span of a century, let us turn back the hands of the clock. Let us travel down the corridors of time with the speed of light from 1944 to the year 1844, one century ago. In 1844, over the first telegraph line in the world that ran between Baltimore and Washington, Samuel Morse sent the first message that ever went over a telegraph wire. It consisted of these four words, What hath God wrought? Few people at that time took the telegraph or the message seriously. They didn't believe that only 14 years later, the first telegraph cable would be completed across the Atlantic Ocean. In 1844, the lamps of the world were lit by whale oil and the cumbersome engines of the world were lubricated by whale grease because the miracle of petroleum did not begin until 1859 when drake drilled first the first oil well and just think the first electric light did not gleam on broadway until 1880 today the networks of iron rails and ribbons of concrete that make up our hundreds of thousands of miles of railroads and highways are accepted as a matter of course. Neither gasoline, buckies, flying machines, nor horseless trolley cars were dreamt about in those days. Not yet did the men of those times think they were quite up to date as some of us do today. They had much to learn. And so have we. I read in the newspaper the other day how a Russian scientist has discovered a serum which may tend to overcome old age fatigue. So the human beings may eventually live to be 150 years old. I sure wish it he had, it had completed that. But my own thought is that man has reached expendable old age when he is too old to dream because time has proven that dreams are the substance out of which progress is made. Thus, the limitations of the future are the limitations of the human mind. They are also the limitations that will hold back the progress of flight. Man has two major ways of geographical measurement. One is the measurement of distance, namely the gap between two given points. The other is the yardstick of time, namely how long it takes to travel between two given points. Man cannot shorten a straight line between New York and San Francisco, but he can shorten the time it takes to travel that line. Thus, whenever man increases his speed of travel on this globe, he shrinks the size of the globe in terms of time. In other words, our concept of distance changes with our speed of travel this is the air age but as yet we have not reached even the moon the noon hour of aviation on the contrary the sun is barely above the horizon in the dawn of human flight we have just started we have just begun to fly we no longer think in terms of miles but hours and minutes So when we speak of the age of flight, our thinking must keep up with, yes, even go ahead of the great procession of air transportation that is just beyond the horizon. We must learn to visualize the earth as banded not only by the unseen lines of longitude and latitude, but surrounded as well by a comprehensive but invisible network of global airways that link the continents, the countries, and the leading cities of the world. But we mustn't forget that planes can't fly the great distances, no matter how fast they go, without stopping at ports where fuel, repairs, and weather information are available. And incidentally, a few paying passengers are also helpful. It sounds simple. These bases must be developed in all parts of the world to meet the needs of a system of global air transport. It sounds simple when you say it, doesn't it? And it would be simple were it not for the fact that even at this late date, American leaders are unable to agree among themselves on the question of our international aviation policy. While they are making no headway on the issues of monopoly versus open competition, other countries are shaping up their progress for post-war international air transportation. And the bitter irony is that the stepping stones of these networks, the well-equipped aerodromes built by American men with American money and material throughout the world, from Greenland's icy mountains to India's coral strand seem to be destined to be given away as Christmas gifts with Uncle Sam in the role of Santa Claus It would be impossible to establish sound and workable international airway systems overnight. American public opinion at the present time and rightfully so is too, is too concentrated on the winning of the war the restoration of normal peacetime happiness, working conditions, and living conditions after the war, as well as shouldering the burden of taxes, to think deeply about our place on the airways of the world. In view of that, it is not difficult to understand the general indifferences toward the future of international aviation Shall the American people allow their elected representatives in Congress to change our 30-year-old policy of preserving honest competition between all forms of transportation, keeping aviation free from the clutches of other forms of transportation? Today, aircraft manufacturers have a $20 billion enterprise. You may not realize it, ladies and gentlemen, but that is more than four times the size of the automobile industry at its pre war peak. Our aircraft industry is producing airplanes at the rate of approximately 9,000 per month, as well as additional aircraft engines and equipment necessary. In exactly three years, the industry has produced 150,000 airplanes. The spirit of leadership, which has made this pace of production possible in the interest of victory in the war must not be lost in the interest of peace. It will be difficult to do this under existing conditions if aircraft workers worry about how soon the floor will fall from under them and expose them to the torments of idleness. One of the main reasons for the costly labor turnover in the aviation industry is fear that the industry will collapse and jobs vanish when the war ends. To prevent this, every effort must be made by our Congress in cooperation with the aviation leaders to keep this vast industry at work by creating a post-war policy that will keep our aircraft factories operating at a steady tempo when victory is ours. This would open up a tremendous market among the youngsters who were being trained and who would wish to purchase and fly their own airplanes as private owners. Such an aviation program would bring with it widespread construction activity in providing ground and airway facilities, an integral system of airports and landing strips for private owners, charter services and training schools, distinct and apart from the first two, in order to keep the airways and commercial ports clear and thus minimize the hazards. But as stated previously, plans for such a program must be developed now and by the leaders of this industry. This is no time for defeatism on the part of our aviation leadership. Today, America needs leaders. Leaders who will show their colors and courage as never before. Failure through fear of being criticized, smeared, or a loss of tra- temporarily special privilege is nothing but cowardice and un-American. Today, the American people are craving honestly and sincerely. Sincerity with confidence backed by courage from their business financial and political leaders their arms are open their minds and hearts full of gratitude for those who dare to put the country ahead of personal gain i cannot help but repeat from the lord of the land of lake news the following we cannot bring about prosperity by discouraging thrift we cannot strengthen the weak by welcoming the strong. We cannot help small men by tearing down big men. We cannot help the poor by destroying the rich. We cannot lift the wage earner by putting down the wage payer. We cannot keep out of trouble by spending more than we earn. We cannot further the brotherhood of man by inciting class or race hatred. We cannot establish sound security on borrowed money. We cannot build character and courage by taking away man's initiative and independence. We cannot help men permanently by doing for them what they could do and should do for themselves. End of. There is a good old American axiom to the effect that the sky is the limit. No, the sky is not the limit. There is no limit to the future. Look where we were in 1844. Some say those were the good old days. Well, I'll take today, thank you, and tomorrow too. I have faith enough in the American people to feel. That all the headaches, heartaches, and soul searing agony that we as a nation must endure endure, and will pay dividends in the future. My toast is to tomorrow. My prayer is for tomorrow. My faith is in tomorrow. That's the end of a speech given at the Wings Club by the president of Eastern Airlines, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, an amazing, amazing person. I have a couple of uh, people on the line. I'm going to see if I can open their microphone and listen to their thoughts about that great speech. Let's see. I've got uh, Dorothy. Are you with us?
3: I am indeed, and that was fabulous. Holy mackerel. Great, uh, letter. great letter, Neil. That was really terrific. I mean, see, I've never heard that before. Probably Don has at some point, but I know I haven't. And, wow, that's so impactful. That just gets you. You have to really stop and listen to every word because it's so powerful.
1: And, you know, there are so many of it, of the words that were in that speech that are applicable for today's yes. lesson.
3: Yes, and I thought that, too, especially when we was talking about drones and, and we haven't got there yet. And it's like, wow, <laughs> we are there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and people yeah. are
3: living longer. Uh, my dad was an example of that, 105. My brother is 92 going on
0: 93.
3: and uh, Wow. My aunt died at 99. My other aunt died at 100. So yeah, we are living longer and um you know his words weren't far away were they now that was taken no. back when now
1: well that was, was during that? the war world war 2 that he delivered this speech wow and um and uh, it's amazing how productive this country was in producing uh aviation uh, airplanes and like he said engines and and tools and everything necessary to fly these airplanes and in um, in the accomplishment of victory in world war 2
3: right Right.
1: Yeah. But, you know, uh, go ahead, Don.
4: My father's uh, sister was a welder in New London, Connecticut in the 40s. She was welding, uh, some sort of uh, uh, hat covers or whatever on submarines
0: in oh, New London, yeah.
4: Connecticut. Wow. Yeah. That's
3: amazing. Well, isn't it? When you look back,
4: that's that's all I know about that. But you know, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's amazing what we've uh, come through.
1: Yeah, it it really is, truly is. Yeah, I uh, I I just uh, ran upon that uh, letter and uh, start read. I started to read it and I said, well, my golly, you know, it sounds like he's uh, giving us a lesson for today about yes. leadership, about yes. leadership and what we need in this country to, uh, once again, be uh, uh, like we were in World War II. Uh, you know, without America in World War II, it would uh, have definitely gone the other way.
4: Oh,
3: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
4: Yeah. You know, we wouldn't have won the war unless we had all the industry that we had.
3: Yeah, sure, that, yeah. Of course, that yeah. all helped because it gave us the opportunities to develop a lot more than we had in the first world war. Yeah.
1: That's what an amazing right? man he was. He, uh Rickenbacker and uh too bad he uh, never thought I think he was suggested that he run for president and he turned that idea down. Really? He, but, uh, he
3: should have. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, I read very somewhere gifted. that he... he was a veteran of the, the United States. I mean, he did so much for so many people. I mean, just look at him taking over Eastern. He employed all those Eastern people that when yeah. that went down, he I mean, he wasn't there to see it, but it went right off the, the grid. I mean, but as you say, and I love what you said today when you first opened up, that uh, Eastern Airlines may be gone, but Eastern will never be forgotten. And that is so true. I mean, we've (laughs) written history over and over again, and you have files of it, just like what you're talking about right now and how interesting it is.
4: Bring back Eddie.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
4: (laughs) Wow.
1: Yeah, well, Don, a... I look forward to uh, next Thursday when we can once again tap our feet uh, to the music. And uh, we have another great artist coming up. Uh, you think we ought to tell any listeners uh, about who that might be?
4: Well, I hope you tell this listener. Cause that's
1: what <laughs> well, I think we're yes. going to do a little Johnny Mathis music this oh, time. Okay. and Yeah, okay, such a great voice. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's true. I didn't get to tell Don it was definitely going to be Johnny Mathis this week. So (laughs) our audience will really look forward to listening to that for sure.
1: Yeah. And uh also this coming thir- uh monday well, what do we have this monday dorothy uh, uh,
3: Monday of course, is the uh flying without the Godfrey now everyone will remember that I'm sure that was connected with eastern and and even others who he announced on his shows all the time about eastern so yeah. he was a he was a great advocate of easter eastern a lot so. of people
1: uh that are not our age, uh, of course, they wouldn't remember Arthur Godfrey, but,
0: uh, no, but he, so sure, he sure he sure discovered a lot
1: of talent. Well, I do.
3: Sure did. <laughs> and, uh, and his uh, well, his think, nickname was, was there, the
1: Old Redhead.
3: Yeah, and he really did a, a lot of publicity-wise just for Eastern by by knowing Eddie and being on the. Uh, his broadcast and talking about Eastern and so forth and what he did and stuff like that. So yeah.
4: Neil, which, uh, which tower did he buzz in his DC-3? In our- uh, I was reading about yeah. it
1: today, doing some research on it, and I think it was up in New York. Uh, yeah. i not sure yeah. whether it was yeah. Newark. I think it was out of Newark. Uh, he buzzed the tower there, yeah.
4: Yeah, you got so trouble. We'll have that. that in our program,
1: though. We'll talk about that. <laughs> okay, good. That's
4: good. good. That's excellent. All right.
1: Well, okay, and, very uh, good. We, well,
3: I. Our go listeners, ahead. do they know that we have a couple of um, our model airplanes left with donations of $40 or more?
1: Okay, um, well, and we sure and, do. I, I, just,
3: I just got another email, so we have another $40 donation. Um, so that was by Carolyn Lee Wills, and you have to save one out for Carolyn.
1: All right, so there's one left for somebody. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> one left, everyone. <laughs> so we all thank everyone for all the donations that we got for Eastern because we will be here for as long as we can. Right, Neil?
1: That's right. It sure We sure will. Uh, well, that's our show for today, folks, and we hope you will be back with us August 15th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time when we open another file from the Eastern Files. That's two weeks from now, but uh, make sure you join us next Thursday, August 5th at 7, at 3.30 p.m. Uh, when we uh, have uh, beautiful music. Don Gagnon is your host. Dorothy will be yeah, there with him. And i'll be producing, so we look forward to that. You know, keeping our Eastern family informed is the greatest importance to us, the host and the producer of this radio show and And if you have a story or memory you'd like to share with our Eastern family. And I know there are so many stories and memories that we have of Eastern. And when we get with someone else and uh, just the name Eastern is mentioned, it seems like we want to tell a story that we remember that we had an experience, good or bad, with Eastern Airlines and mostly good. We would certainly like to hear from you. And you can tell your own story uh, on the radio show. If you would like to do that on the Eastern radio show, just tell your own story. We'll open a microphone up for you. Uh, or you can uh, type it down and, and I can do the reading or you whatever, and uh, but we'll put it on the air. You can send your request to host at ealradioshow.com and we'll tell you how to do it. But uh, for now, until then, we sign off as we do with each broadcast by saying goodbye, Eastern family, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday. Same time, same station, when Don and Neil have good time playing your favorites on the EAL Old Time Radio, and that's it for today. Don, Dorothy, see you next time.
3: Okay, and don't forget, listeners, we have our Monday night program at 7 o'clock, so please stay tuned. We want to be with you. We'll
1: see you and soon, Eastern- we love you, Easton.
0: Yeah.